It's another Tuesday evening on 97.3 City FM. And for the next 59 minutes, we're going to have conversations about tech. Wow, am I excited. My name is Philippa Sean and boy oh boy do we have a show for you this evening. Cyber intelligence and digital evidence. What you need to know. That is our very first conversation on the show today. And of course the GSMA annual report is out and we're going to be looking at the areas that are specific to sub-Saharan Africa. Especially having to do with the emergence of mobile money. We'll also be touching on the power of 3G, taking over 2G and 4G around the corner and 5G as well. We'll be joined by um, the ever feisty Ethel Kofi and um, we will have a great conversation on the show. But remember, there are a number of interesting things happening on the show and we want you to be a part of it. The number one thing that I always like to remind you is that we have something really incredible that we're doing on the show. What exactly is this? Well, we know that there are a lot of technology-focused events happening in the capital and across the country, but it is not everybody who gets to know about it. So we've created a platform that allows you as event organizers to let us know what tech events are happening so everybody can be a part of it. And we've created a very simple Google form. All you need to do is check us out on you know the on twitter make sure you follow our handle and just click on the form and you're good to go we're actually going to tweet that particular form in just a minute actually yeah you can check now we are going to do that and just click on the form fill out the form and we'll know which event you are organizing it's that simple all we need are the basic details and we are good to go we call it watch out and we'll be telling you more about some of the events that we have tabled or we've noticed are being done getting to the close of the show that's number one number two next month the month of november is techpreneurs month yes indeed we use or we dedicate a whole month to celebrating ghana's technology entrepreneurs you'll be hearing people who are into all sorts of things consulting to building incredible agri businesses like look it's going to be fantastic we're dedicating the whole month every tuesday you're going to hear from four technology entrepreneurs telling us about the incredible solutions that they are bringing to the fore it's going to be fantastic you'll be hearing from some of them actually telling you about some of their businesses um, as the show goes on so we have some pretty exciting stuff on the show um, for the month of november 
and of course you know that in december we wrap it all up but it is great stuff it's exciting stuff it's 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 a, it's a good time to be alive so yes the the show definitely will bring you all that goodness but it's time for us to get into our very final first topic first topic actually of the day But in case you are wondering how you can get in touch with us, this is how you can do it. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. Has your computer developed a problem you don't understand? Is your phone refusing to respond? Is there a computer virus you're battling with? Are you having problems signing into your account? Share your tech problems with City Trends and we will get the experts to help you solve them. Send us your problems via WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. You can also send us a tweet using the hashtag CityTrends. Now, according to the 2018 Global Cybersecurity Index, average cost of data breaches in the world was up by 6.4% in 2018. Now, due to the increased out, um, usage of digitized platforms for businesses, for social media, and for private activities, cybercrime is estimated to cost global businesses about $2 trillion by the end of 2019. Now, a major setback in Ghana's digitization drive is the existing gaps in the process of conducting forensic investigations on IT systems at the event of a cyber breach. Now, many IT environments are not well structured to support and achieve the best outcome during the forensic investigation process. In many instances, digital evidence is often destroyed before the right processes are applied, thereby hampering expected results to aid criminal prosecution of cybercrime offenders. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a state of affairs. Or is it? Well, that is what we're going to be discussing on the show today. And in, my, in, the, in the studio, we have Mr. Philemon Hini. He is a head technical operations over at the e-crime bureau and is also a digital forensic professional well mr heaney you're welcome to the show thank you very 
very much. Always a pleasure to have you and the folks over at um, E-Crime Bureau. You guys have been very, very busy. But um, from where you guys sit, can you paint us um, a picture of what the, the situation looks like, especially for for corporates we we know that you know there are a number of stories flying around about data breaches globally but in ghana like you know what what does the situation look like okay, so um thank you very much um, it's quite interesting you know um for some time now um you realize that the discussion has been just cyber security cyber security mm. protect your system from cyber attacks mm. but yes so people are being compromised mm. If you look at the statistics, even um, from, let's say, last year to this year, we still see an increased growth in um, cyber attacks within various industries. So the question is, what is going wrong? Mm. Because we tell people to um, educate their staff. Mm. We tell people to develop the policy, put in the best security controls, um, make sure that you are compliant to standards. But most institutions have done that yesterday have been compromised. So mm. this is the point that we have to think well mm. about the processes. We have to have to think about even the policies that we are putting in place, whether they are adequate. Are mm. we measuring them mm. to um, ascertain whether these controls are meeting the, the needs that we want to, add, the issues that we want to address. Mm. Now, there is an issue. You realize that um, there's a bit of copy and paste within um, the, um, the country. Mm. For instance, organization A will buy some security controls to address certain threats within the environment. Right. Then because organization A has bought this threat or because it has been suggested by a standard, um, organization B also goes in and purchases the same thing. Right. But there is um, some form of arm wrestling game that the defenders and the attackers are playing. Mm. You know, when the attack the defenders are trying to identify the threats okay before it happens the attackers are also trying to what bypass the security controls right. and defenders always fall behind so once they identify that the, the threats meaning that the damage has already been caused right so the organization end up losing um, whatever they have to lose to this criminal then once the techniques or tactics mm. of compromise have been identified, mm. the attackers go in and modify the techniques. Right. So you realize that there's always constant breaches. Though people are putting security in place, there's always breaches. So now what organizations um, have to be doing is looking at the 20% which is not tackled. Mm. So you, let's say, you know, security cannot be 100%. So let's say we have 80% um, security controls in place to protect our system. So let's say, what happens to the 20%? Mm. We mm. have to think about um, a reactive means in mm. such a way that when the system gets compromised, okay, we can easily go in to contain the attack so mm. that it wouldn't escalate. Mm. Okay, mm. This is when the very security controls that you have put in place has been bypassed mm. by the cyber criminals mm. and they're already into your system. To prevent them from making away with the data, what do we do? We put measures in place to say, that, okay, even when they bypass our security control, we can quickly identify when and the contain the attack right. before the attack escalates. Mm. But most institutions do not look at it from the angle. Okay, they only think about the proactive measures. Right. But being proactive alone is not enough. Right. Okay, that is where digital forensics also comes in. Mm. 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 Okay. So when, when we say digital forensics, yes. what exactly does it mean and what does it entail? Like for a business owner doing the listening right now, like, okay. you know, what, what does all of that entail? So, um, digital forensics, uh, most people refer to it as computer forensics. And what it means is that it's analyzing digital devices to be able to pick up um, evidence to support any legal proceeding. Mm. So, let's say um, an incident has happened within your organization. Someone has broken into a system and manipulated data. 
this is a cybersecurity incident which has to be investigated. Right. Okay, to be able to investigate this incident, you have to go into the digital devices that were affected. Right. Okay, analyze them, pick evidence, and be able to understand what has happened. Right. And this is digital forensics. Mm. Okay, but digital forensics is, is quite different because um, when you are conducting the investigation, we assume that whatever information or your report went up in court. Right. So if this information went up in court, then you have to put the necessary measures in place so that at any day, the evidence that you're going to pick up will be admissible in court. Right. Okay. But most people get it wrong. Hmm. And this is how they get it wrong. When there is an incident, the first responder to the scene um, is usually the IT team. Right. Okay. The IT is not digital forensics. Okay. Hmm. Let's say your system has been compromised. Data has been deleted from your computer system. So an expert has to come in to analyze and understand what has happened. But right. usually the first person to arrive at the scene or to detect the incident is the IT. Mm. And what they normally do, they run a data recovery software, mm. trying to what? Detect, uh, recover so the doing data. Covering the tracks mm. of... Mm. So by so mm. doing, you have contaminated the evidence. Mm. So when a professional or a digital forensic examiner comes in, you realize that your activity has mixed with what the evidence. Mm. It's just like you go into the crime scene and you start touching things right. you leave your fingerprints on it so it will become difficult to um, isolate your activities from the that activities of the criminal, of the criminal. Mm. okay and this can be challenging courts mm. so with digital forensic the whole idea of it is that being able to pick up evidence from digital sources be it mobile devices based computer system anything which is digital mm. to be able to support any legal proceeding and the courts will vet the integrity of this evidence before um admitting it in court. So that's yeah. that's a very precarious situation or condition to for a lot of business people yeah. or a lot of business owners to find themselves in. Because, I mean, especially if the work that you do is 100% dependent on information flow or data running, you know, as quickly as possible, but they have to wait, you know, they are losing money or they are losing um, business and they are just waiting for you know some experts i mean how many experts do we even have to even come into um the offices to come in uh, do, do you understand yeah, where yeah, the frustration I, 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 might I be do, like do. how many data forensic experts are available in ghana today such that if there's a data breach in company a company b yeah. all the way to company f there will be someone at every single point ensuring that you know the right thing is done okay so 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 you know it's just like you know, there is a, a scene, let's say there is an incident here. Mm -hmm. Someone has been shot. Mm -hmm. Normally, what do you do? You call the police. Right. Okay, so you try to preserve the scene so that people do not contaminate the evidence so that when the police come in, they'll be able to pick an actionable evidence. But that's an ideal okay. situation. Yes, though. but this is what happens in digital forensics. Mostly, you know, we call something forensic readiness. Mm -hmm. Forensic readiness means that you prepare your environment to support investigations. Okay. A typical example is, let's say, the 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 um the technology that you are using here mm. you know someone can compromise it because it's a digital system mm. okay so you put in the necessary measures to keep let's say logs or the trail of every activity that people do within the system mm. like today you have logged onto the system the system has to generate a log to indicate that today you have logged onto the system mm. you have done this and so and so okay so when there is fraud or there is any ins uh, any manipulation of the system you can rely on what those logs to be able to understand what has happened. Right. That is forensic readiness. Mm. So organization has to proactively ensure that the environment is forensic ready to support investigations. So that when, even let's say, um, the first responder who is the IT person, who also have to be trained as to how to even 
as a first responder to handle incidents. In some situations, when the incident occurs, we ask you, hey, you don't have to turn the computer off. But you go to the scene and the computers have been turned off. Okay, then you rely on. Mm. So, but if the first responders are trained not to really conduct the forensic examination, right. but to be able to handle the scene and preserve the scene before an expert come in, that would be very good. Mm. But most institutions do not do that. Mm. Okay, and this is where we are now. Is there a particular kind of certification that employers should be looking out for from the IT managers? you know, for example, yeah. so that at least they can have a good sense that, you know what, this guy will be able to get my team in a good position in case there's a data breach or something. Is there any certification of this of this sort that, you know, employers should be looking out for? Yes, yes, there's quite a number of certification. Mm. And as I'm saying, as a first responder, you don't necessarily need a digital forensic certification. Right. But you have to go through the basic training to be able to handle um, evidence. Since you are manning the computer system within an IT environment, mm. you should be able to understand how to preserve evidence when incident occurs before even an expert coming in. So there are quite a number of forensics training which we've in our academy we even run. Mm. So you don't necessarily have to have a full-blown certification to be able to handle f- the evidence, uh, but you just have to have the awareness as to procedures to um, embark when, for instance, an incident occurs in your environment. Mm. So. With the 20% that we are talking about, to be able to contain the attack, most institutions have to ensure that the environment can support investigations. That is what we call forensic readiness. Mm. So make sure that you keep the logs, make sure that you keep, let's say, it could be as simple as it may be um, attendance, mm. people coming and going out of the organization. It could be as simple as also keeping um, logs of people logging onto a particular system. Right. It could be as simple as also keeping inventory of all your digital assets within your environment. Mm. Because if, assuming there is an unauthorized computer system which is on your network, you want to identify it. So how do you do that? You have to compare it to an inventory and be able to identify the old one out. Mm. So by putting these measures in place and, and ensuring this due diligence on the environment, mm. it can support investigation. When there is an attack, you can quickly be able to what, isolate the attack from mm. the environment. Mm. Then you don't lose anything. Mm. Because... You are putting the controls in play. The criminals are being smart. They are using intelligence, which we are not using mm. within our environment, mm. to be able to compromise systems. Mm. And they are being innovative. So in order to be able to detect the threats, this is what we should uh, be thinking of. Nice. Just not just only the uh, security control, buying the equipment and other things. Mm. Yeah. Well, listeners are still tuned in to 97.3 City FM. The show is City Trends, and we're having a conversation with um, Philemon Hine, who is a head um, technical operations at E-Crimes Bureau, and he's also a digital forensic professional. And we're having a conversation about basically understanding what digital evidence is and, you know, just orienting yourself and your team to be ready in case there should be a breach the do's and don'ts, basically. But so, even as we, we, we wrap up the conversation, let's just say someone, you know, is in a position where they've been breached. Yeah. Typically, what should happen? Walk, walk us through, like, you wake up or you get to the office for just for, you know, our yeah. general edification. Walk us through what should happen. You walk into the office, you realize there's a breach. What should happen? Okay, so when, when there's a breach, it could be from different angles. So let's assume that it's an account breach. Okay. Okay, let's assume that um, your your email system has been um, compromised. Mm. So the first thing that has to come into your mind is to change your password. Okay, but if your, if your account has been compromised and you have to change your password, then you have to change it from a different device which you don't use. This it, is by yourself? 
Yes, this this is you know when is a bridging organization? It comes from different angle. Right. It could be the network bridge. It mm. could be, um, for instance, it could be an accounts bridge. Mm. If it's a network bridge, the approach is different. Mm. For instance, if it's a net- network bridge, it might be coming from let's say um, a computer has been breached, which is part of a network, mm. which has enabled let's say the attacker to traverse traverse sorry through um, the network. Mm. Okay, if if it's such a breach, then you start isolating computers from the environment. Mm. So that's where you see the IT guys picking off computers, pulling a network cable from the environment. Mm. Why? They are doing so to be able to what isolate the attack. Mm. Because if that very computer which is compromised is still part of the network, it can propagate oh, yeah. over the network. Oh, yeah. So you isolate them for further investigation. So this is what, what we call the containment. Okay. You are trying to contain the attack. Now, when there's an accounts breach in which you realize that um, a system has been compromised, the accounts of the system has been compromised. What you normally have to do is to quickly either block the account user. So you quickly block the account user so that further access will not be what's granted. Right. Because at that point, <coughs> you don't know what exactly has happened. All that you know is the account has been compromised. Mm. You don't know whether it's the password or there's a vulnerability in the system. So okay. you quickly block the account, okay? Pending further investigation. Again, we are containing the attack. Because right. that is the whole goal, to contain the attack, to limit the damage or um, to their institution. Sure. Um, in some cases, if, if it's just the password, you just have to change your password right, from the individual perspective. But like you were saying, you yes. have to do it from another From another computer, yes. Because right. you don't know whether the attack is, uh, is affecting the computer or just the email account or the whatever account which it is. Right. Okay. Then we could have other, atta- other attack or other breaches which is in relation to data breach. We could be uh, maybe... Um, the developer of the system failing to implement the proper security controls or the manager of the system failing to implement the right configurations. In that case, when the attack happened, we quickly want to look at the configuration and see and limit the at- um, some of the functionalities of the system if that can be um, switched off, depending on the kind of system they are dealing with. Let's say in a financial institution where the system has been breached, but you don't know what exactly has happened, Okay, what we normally think of the outlets where money can move out, mm. for instance, ATM. Mm. So we advise, okay, let's block this All ATM. Let's block, let's say, the mobile money. Mm. So that let's block, let's say, internet banking because this is our, these are the outlets where money can be easily uh, moved from the environment. Right. So you see, we're trying to minimize the risks, so mitigate mm. it. So by doing so, it will give you a bit of time to be able to analyze the environment, perform digital forensics, okay, to be able to understand how the system was compromised and who is behind it, and even their motive as to why are they yeah. doing that. Mm. Okay, that's where the guitar forensics comes in. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. So, I mean, like I said, wrapping up, when we know that you belong to or you work with the E-Crime Bureau, um, how can people, for example, do you guys offer training and some of these you know, procedures so in case there's someone out there doing a listen right now who wants you know, his head of IT, for example, to get training. Are there opportunities for them to also do that? Yes, there are a lot of opportunities. Actually, training is something that we do mm. um, intensively. Mm. We have a career path for people who want to build their skill in cybersecurity. We have also have programs for managers who also want to um, enhance their or create the awareness um, to their staff. So we have in-house training. We go to the organization to ensure that um, we train them. And we have in-house training where we deliver um, the training for the general public. So we have almost pretty everyone covered when wow. it comes to training. Wow. And um, how can people get in touch as well? Okay, so we have this advertised on our website, most of the training programs. We also use the mainstream media to um, advertise the training. 
and we also use social media also mm. to advertise mm. the training. So uh, just think, look out for yes. so e-crime bureau. E-crime bureau. Yeah, yes. just look out for e-crime, e-crime bureau, bureau. Yeah. and I'm sure you'll be able to find all the details that you need. Well, um, Philemon, thank you so much for making time to join us on the show. Thank you so much for the insights as, as as well. There are a lot of things that too many of us take for granted. As, um, my biggest takeaway is the fact that when there's a data breach, just don't touch anything. Just let the professionals come in and do their work. But you have to contain it. Yeah, you have to. Well, I mean, if I can't, if I don't have the training course, have to, to contain it, just stay away yes. and let the experts come in and come and do their work. Thank you so much, Philemon, okay. for making time on the show to join us. Africa and all over the world, we know mobile is king. Mobile is everything. Anything you want to do literally has to go through mobile. So it was kind of interesting when the GSMA um, report 2019 came through and um, yeah, for, sub, for the main focus was the mobile economy. Sub-Saharan Africa um, was focused on that one. Actually, the whole report was focused on that one. But then some of the interesting things that came out from the Africa side or the Sub-Saharan Africa side um, were pretty interesting. Um, one of them is that during 2019, 3G is going to overtake 2G to become the leading mobile technology in the region with just over 45% of total connections by the end of the year. There are a number of insights that can be gathered from this particular report, but I am not the person who will be able to do it. Let's move over to the person who has read most of the reports to give us some insight into the reports. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Ethel Kofi of Adele Technology Consulting into the studio. Yay! <laughs> Haven't you guys missed me? Hasn't the show yeah, missed me? Exactly, I haven't been here exactly. in a while. We don't know where you've been. You've been busy. You've been I too know, busy. I know. I missed you guys. Too. Yeah. Where, did you, where were you? Where have you been? Here and there. Traveling you know, in and out. You travel more than you. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, oh, wow. But anyway, I mean, back to topic. Yeah. Um, for you, generally, mm. what were your general impressions about the reports? Okay. Especially the part having to do with Sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. Well, okay. So the GSMA itself is um, an industry lobby group, right. per se, that uh, has the largest amount of telecom companies. So mm. all your favorite telecoms. Mm from Vodafone to O2, so all of them are actually under this body. So they do this annual survey in the, the different regions, um, collecting data from their members. Mm. 
to be able to tell us what exactly is happening in the space and to be able to project what's going into so this would be looking at say they looked at 2008 for the 20 2018 for the 2019 report, report. Right. and then they then project into what that looks like at 2025 right. that gives us a little bit of an insight that is helpful to somebody who is building a mobile app somebody who's looking to launch a specific mobile who's building in the mobile economy so this right. is a really good report to have mm. if you don't ha if you don't have it go to the gsma uh, just free. google it yeah it's on the it's site so download it it's a lot but definitely read it so mm. one of i mean there are a number of things but i'll i'll go through the highlights right so you already mentioned the the mobile money thing but mm. what, what the, the 3g thing but we'll go already go back to it so it says they are about uh, at the moment they are 450 56 million mobile unique mobile subscribers mm. on the African continent. So that's something like 44% penetration on the continent. Wow. And they are looking they are looking they are saying by 2023 we're looking at something like 50%. So 50% wow. of the population across Africa by 2025 will, will you know there'll be that many unique When you say unique mobile subscribers. Which means so okay so they are they are removing those who have two. Right. But, okay so I have a little issue with the, mm. these numbers mm. because they don't have an issue of proof way right. of, I mean, it's self-reported in a lot of ways. Um, and so they, they, you have to be careful with what unique means mm. and, and, and how you define unique, but mm. they try very much to try and aggregate so you can, you can see, but you know, plus or minus, whatever. But I think they are around the ballpark figure of unique meaning. So if one person has three, they are counting that person as, as one. As one, right? So and that's 400 and 56 million people, people yes. who have mobile or mobile devices or are Mo subscribed to a mobile network. Are subscribed to a mobile network on, on the continent. Stuff. That's a huge market. Like for anybody who's building That's anything. a huge market. But and it's just sub-Saharan Africa. This is sub-Saharan Africa. But it just means like there's 50% more people who are supposed to <laughs> who are supposed to go into the network, right? Wow. Um, and and I'll segue into some other things, but then we'll talk about the mobile internet users. So, mm. At the moment, there are 239 million mobile users. Um, mobile internet, internet users, users on the continent right. is about 23%. Mm. Uh, they're saying it will go up to 39% in um, 2025. But if That's, you look... The numbers are about half of yes, you know, those who right. have mobile um, subscriptions. Yes. Um, so most people are using uh, simple feature phones. Feature phones. Right. Uh, which I think we, we know this well. If you look at this week, so Transion, the, the last week, Transion, the company that owns the um, Techno, Itel, and I think I forget the name of the third brand, they've just IPO'd in the Shanghai stock market. Mm. And they are making amazing amounts mm. of money. They built phones. They are a Chinese company that has built phones of Africa. They've never sold a single phone in China. All their phones sold. All right, of yeah. them are their low-end phones mm. and they are raking that i think the company is worth a couple of billion dollars wow yes so and it's just from the extra 200 million or so people who don't have access to mobile internet yeah so you can imagine wow. so um there's there's a lot there there's a lot of money but to be made. even if you look at so even if you look at if you look at smartphone penetration mm. it's at 39 percent and then you look at mobile internet users they are 23 percent so there's mm. a large number of people mm. with smartphones that are doing nothing with their smartphones mm. yeah it's pretty it's nice and they make <laughs> phone calls with it that's that's interesting though. yes right so there's there's wow. a there's a gap there mm. of um what 
over 10% of those who have smartphones that oh, are no. literally not using We all know them. It's your grandfathers and your uncles and things. You bought them a shiny new phone because they wanted it and they just make phone calls. <laughs> and send text messages. And send text messages with it. Wow. I mean, they're looking to put it at... They, they are saying it will grow to around 66% by 2025. So there is there is hope there. The thing mm. that you talked about, which is interesting, is a 2G, 3G thing. Right. Which I think is the most interesting part of it. So we do this thing as people who are developing mobile and developing things. So we get really like 4G and 5G. And then you just realize that 2G is still raining. Yeah. I mean, it's only in 20, 2019 right. that 3G is now like, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm also like, right? So if you're building, mm. which is what I've said, if you're building for Africa really legitimately, because if you look at this data, legitimately think smartphone or app, mm. then USSD, then SMS, <laughs> mm. so that you can mm. cover and collect the money that mm. you need. Where, where, where would you say we should begin? Should we begin with the app ecosystem or should we go back to the USSD and then build from there? I think you should start with USSD mm. if, if you if you have to. But it also, it's also dependent on your, your clientele, right? Mm. So if you're reaching out to people in predominantly Accra that have university degrees, of course you're building smartphones. Mm. But the thing you're build you're, the thing you have to be wary of is the fact that you must build for intermittent slow internet, mm. which is why Facebook does this thing where mm -hmm. it gives. I think they give the engineers Facebook Lite. Yeah, they give them their engineers like a really low end basic, phone yeah. for a day so that they understand the pain of those in emerging markets. Right. We forget when we are in Accra and we're our little bubbles in Accra mm. that we need to be able to think of what the internet connection like is in Wa or in like upper north, like different parts of because. 2G is prevalent and mm. now 3G is just taking that. Mm. And I know people are getting excited about 5G, but like, calm down. <laughs> We're not even there yet. <laughs> there are not enough nodes anywhere to connect anybody. Very interesting right. stuff. Anyway, which 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 other things popped out to you from the report? Okay, so the thing I liked was the uh, mobile money numbers. Mm. And I can't find them now. But um, it just, okay, so it's, I, I forgot what the specific numbers are, but it just looks like it. So it, what the report is saying is that almost half of the mobile money users globally reside in Africa. So mobile money hasn't been able to really work anywhere else as well as except for Africa. Mm. So the thing is, we've got to figure out how how, how we, we can take advantage how we of take advantage of that because this is the thing that we've actually built that actually really works for us, mm. and we need to be okay. What's the opportunity there? Because there will be growth, there will be growth, but it's going to be mostly on the African continent. So mm. you begin to see the opportunities of what what does it look like in the next 30, 40 years with mobile money, and how can we begin to build applications that heavily leverage on that? Mm. That's that's the thing that was most interesting for me. The mobile money numbers. I was just like, well, like we need a plan. Mm. <laughs> we like we can't be just like, oh, this is good, and then not do anything on it. We need a plan. There was one really interesting thing. Twenty eighteen, five hundred thousand jobs formerly mm. supported by the mobile ecosystem, yeah. plus one point two million in the in informal jobs. Yeah. So if you take, if you start with. If you start with just the engineers and the people that actually work in the mobile money, and then you drill, you drill down to the vendors that support the mobile money company, uh, sorry, the, the te um, telecom company. Then you drill down to the, if the people that sell scratch cards on the street. Mm. 
it's a really large ecosystem of people that are supported by our ability to make phone calls. Mm. So the telcos, I mean, the telcos uh, indirectly provide, if, if you, even, even if you just looked at, I think someone needs to do the research, in just the, the, the POSs, the tabletops, and that ecosystem there, how much it actually brings in the economy, I think you'll find that uh, there's, there's a lot being brought into the economy just by the fact that we buy scratch cards and we buy top-up and things like that. It's actually interesting. 15.6 billion. Mm. That is mobile ecosystem contribution to public funding. Yeah. 15.6 billion. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? The so numbers the numbers don't lie. No. I mean, that's what that, 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 people said telcos are dying. I was like, telcos are not dying. They are having, they are making a killing. <laughs> I mean, unless, like, of course, if you're a telco that doesn't have good, solid mobile money infrastructure, I mean, that's your problem. That's a different but like, issue. Yeah. Right? yeah, no, it's... um. It's amazing the impact, and also a- again with Mobile Money, we also have to be, also have to be careful that the numbers are really skewed in terms of like Kenya, right? right. So Kenya skews a lot of the numbers, mm. and Southern Africa skews a lot of the numbers, and so it's not those numbers are not as great for Western, um, Western Africa as it is for mm. like Southern and Eastern Africa. And you have mm. got to take that into like when you're thinking about it. So like these numbers are broad averages across Africa. You've mm. got to be careful when you begin to break them down. Is, it, is, it, is this the reason why, for example, some African countries have decided to start taxing, you know, and all of that? And I just want your thoughts about that as well. Like, is, is it, what is your position on that? The whole taxing of the mobile money ecosystem. What, what's, what's that all about? Okay, so here's the thing. Governments need money. Mm. <laughs> they mm. need money mm. to, to, to pay for infrastructure and things like that. So we get that. What we're saying is that governments are not thinking through the impact. If you look at, look at the impact and the numbers, what, what these, these platforms and telcos and mobile money add to the economy, when you begin to tax... Because we're in the very nascent stages of like internet and that sort of thing, when you begin to tax it, you begin to get people not to come online. So if you take Uganda, for instance, and Uganda is a really huge caricature of a country that is just messing up. I love Ugandans, (laughs) forgive me. But like government that is messing up in terms of, so in Uganda, if you are a blogger, or you're a social media person, you've got to go and register. Mm. If you want to use so, so, uh, social media, you have to pay, uh, I think, 50 pence per day. Oh. And th- all sorts of things that's happening in Uganda, just in terms of like such a caricature country in terms mm. of that. And they've done the research and they can see the numbers of internet penetration falling in the country mm. because it's becoming too expensive right. for people to get in. Like... That stifles, now, I mean, that stifles everything. That stifles at the end of the day. everything. And so that means that the person that's selling the, the, the scratch card on the street is getting less money. So there is a huge, you know, um, knock on effect. And what we're saying is that other people have actually done this well. For if you look at the EU and its regulations and things like that, let's just look at what other people have done to be able to learn from each other. Like the, the African Free Continental Trade Agreement gives us a platform to begin to think about this as a wider Afri- Africa you know, platform. How do we look at mobile? How do we look at mobile money? Texting mobile money is not going to help anybody. Mm. Right, it's just going to be people are like, yeah, like it's hard anyway. I'm gonna put the money under my bed, and it's much easier. It's that much way. easier. Mm. So mm. I think that governments that do this must take their time to begin to do the research to truly understand the effect, mm. and then look at people who've done this very well, mm. and then say, okay, what can we learn? Are there any very good examples? For example, 
for Akufado's government, for example, to be looking at picking <laughs> lessons from. Uh. Which examples exist in terms of taxing, you know, like a mobile money ecosystem such that it does not become a hindrance for others getting in, mm. but then actually helps to grow. Well, with mobile money, Ecosystem. just because of the fact that mobile money is really peculiar to Africa, Africa. there are not a lot of examples. Mm. But if you look at um, the, the whole sort of um, EU, like when you roam in a country, like if you roam across the EU, mm. your charges are flat. Mm. So you don't, mm. you know, you don't take your phone from the UK and you go to France and then it kills you mm. because they've decided on what the taxation looks like and decided what the costs look like. Mm. So they're, they're, that's what I'm saying. The African continental free trade, which enables us to begin to put together Africa-wide policy, right. we can then begin to do, okay, how did the EU do that? How mm. do they ensure that the, the telcos can make their money, but your people can also conveniently be able to roam and be able to use their their whatever their phones and not have a bill shock. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> now moving to this whole conversation, and we've talked about two G, mm. or at least let's touch on two G and three G once mm. again. You know, and and um, like you said, the bubble is is really iPhone is really affecting a lot of mm. people to see what the potential is in terms of the other side right you know especially for technology entrepreneurs who are trying to build solutions how how do they go about that because you are you you hear you are caught between developing an awesome solution which you know takes advantage of all this fast internet connectivity but then still minded about the fact that there's someone who still struggling to figure out what 3g is and 3g speeds I'll give you an example. So years ago, when Netflix started, I lived in the UK. Netflix had two models. Netflix did DVDs. So you sign up, you mm. go you go online, you sign up. or At that time, you fill the form mm. and then you post it. And then every week, they send you a, 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 a CD or a CD DVD. Those mm. times, DVD and CDs were a thing. Mm. I, like, I wasn't going to be streaming. Like, I didn't even understand in like, 2008, what, what is streaming? Mm. Like, I don't get that. Like, mm. how much streaming? My internet cost crap. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they had two models, which is the new streaming was going to come and become a thing. So they were slowly building out the infrastructures right. for the early adopters who understood streaming and were using it. And then for the rest of the people that are like, I have a DVD, I go to Blockbusters and I take films on Fridays. I'm good like that. I'm good like that. And I mm. think that's something we need to adopt, mm. right? So you're like, okay, I want to be able to build these awesome, brilliant things. And you can do it, but deliver it in simple ways. Mm. We're not saying don't build AI into your thing. We're just saying that build AI into your thing, but understand that the person using the internet is 2G. Have, your back end can be as complex as you want it to Nobody be. Nobody cares. But deliver the content in, 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 you know, in a user-friendly, simple way, understanding that it's intermittent and slow data. Right. Nobody says don't go. Like, build all you want. Like, feel free. Just, just make sure that people can actually access it and access it Just make sure people easily. can access it. Just right. don't assume that, like, you have LTE mm. all the time. That's mm. just not... It's not going to work. And, and it's not... At least not for Africa at this point. Unless you, like, you want... You know, you have a really small subset of people that pay you a lot of money to use a specific app and they all live in Accra and they all live in, like, airport residential. Mm. Right? And that's a different story. Right. Then comes the 5G conversation and how everybody is like, let's get on to 5G already. We're like, calm down. 
there's only eight countries that right. have LTE in Africa. So, mm. like, calm down. Like, people, I was at the um, Africa Com last year, which happens in Cape Town every year, which is the biggest telco event in Africa. And now it's become a more of a tech event. Mm. And um, South Africa, and I think there may be three countries that are, like, testing out 5G. Mm. And so I sat in these sessions where people were really excited about 5G. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like, it's exciting. Like, we want, we want super fast stuff. But even for like we haven't even maxed out 4G. We mm. haven't maxed out 3G. Mm. Can we stop jumping? I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying like be practical. Right. Like I like I like LT. I like really having really fast internet. Mm. But that's not most of the continent. Mm. And when you look at also the numbers, it doesn't make sense mm. for them to cover countries with like 5G. Right. It's not going to happen now. I suspect in 10 years, mm. honestly, mm. that it will, the numbers will begin to make sense for telcos to go, oh, we're going to cover the whole of Ghana with like 5G, right? right? So till then, I mean, like I'd like to have 5G in my house. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it will take a while for us to get that the numbers don't make sense. As it is now. As it is now. And mm. so people will, there'll be pilots. Like South Africa, there are a few pilots there. Like there'll be pilots. You'll see it. They'll test it out. But a full-fledged like 5G rollout, that, like, some of them haven't even finished 4G rollouts yeah. yet. Yeah. Right? So we have its, a way to go. In its proper shape and form, <laughs> oh, yes. some people mask their 4G, <laughs> the 3.5, masking it as 4. Like, yeah, We're peace out to you. Yeah, peace out to you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we, know, we, know, we know that um, you personally have been involved with a number of um, trainings and events yeah. one of them is coming up really soon women in tech week yeah. we know that it's coming up in a couple of weeks or so walk us through what exactly we're to expect from women in tech week and when is it happening how can people be a part of it okay so women in tech uh, week is an event that uh, women in tech africa which is the organization that i founded um, started a couple of years ago so we do uh, it's a multi-country event and we, we it's um, te te technical conversations for women it's a festival of technical conversations for women well technical and leadership and entrepreneurship conversations mm. so this year in Ghana we, uh, it's going to be in six countries this year so Ghana Mauritius, I always forget. Please forgive me if I don't remember the country. It happens all the time. Um, Ghana, Mauritius, uh, Zimbabwe. We have Ireland because we have a diaspora group. We have Germany happening. Mm. And now I forget the last country. It's fine. <laughs> um, but th this, so in Ghana, will be f it will be a four-day conversation okay. where we're doing technology, entrepreneurship, career leadership, um, digital Africa. Um, we have a number of really good speakers coming out we have um if you have a from the multimedia group we have somebody from star fm um we have uh, a few people we have our sponsors giz um the german uh, organization so on on it starts on the 9th of october and we have a workshop the first workshop is building an online presence using social media and we're working with ghana brand square okay and say so they will be running that event um and then we have um Working with the Pi ladies in partnership with the Pi ladies, the Python ladies, mm. the, this this is building AI, so optimizing for the use of AI. Mm. So it's really cool for those who are like really technical. Um, and then on Friday, which is the 11th, we have how to track your business cash using technology. So mm. this is for the entrepreneurs. Mm. It's sponsored by it's by o the OZ app, which is a Ghanaian app that uh, mm. helps with business. Um, and then the last day, 
is about the legal essentials for female startups. This is like really important. Please, please come. Because on the legal bit, we actually have lawyers and people in there where you can do one-on-one -on -one clinics where you can, you can begin to ask proper legal questions around trademarks, you know, whether mm. the issues with your business, you have FaceTime because you know lawyers are expensive in Ghana. <laughs> You know, we are having issues <laughs> everywhere. We don't, we don't have enough. Right. So when you get some free ones, make, so take, so take full advantage. Definitely come out. So um, I now do not, um, I have to remember the um, location. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a second. But uh, it will be in Accra. And when I find it, I'll tell you, right. I'll tell you about <laughs> so walk us through the dates once again and um yeah basically where we can find more information if it's available online okay so the dates are it's the 9th to the 12th of october so okay. it's uh, starting tomorrow right and i've broken down the event it's at the institute of democratic governance east legon so it's f a few meters behind the anc mall okay if you want details, just go to either www.womenintechweek.com. Okay. You can go that's to info. That's info. Women in Tech. Like we, we went in, we got in on the ground floor. We have all the right URLs. <laughs> <laughs> right? Women in Tech Week. Womenintechweek.com. Right. Um, and just, um, and you can even, like, we're on Facebook. All the events are on Facebook okay. and you can check them out. You can go to Eventbrite and, and also, like, look for Women in Tech Africa. Hmm. All the events are out there. So you just go, it's Institute of Democratic Governance, East Legon, near the ANC Mall, from 9th to the 12th. It's going to be really fun. Last year was really fun. We did a whole, last year we had like food bloggers come in and they cooked Ooh. on stage and did whole videos and yes, that sort fun. of We have a lot of fun at yeah, these Clearly. <laughs> clearly. So people should come out and have fun with us. Interesting. Well, that is it for that part of that conversation. A big thank you to Ethel for joining us for that one. And um, yeah, like she said, if you're building a solution, please consider the bigger market of about 200 million people who don't necessarily care too much about having like you know the latest android or ios device there's a big market there so try and look in that direction as well it's always a pleasure to have you Thank on you. the show well we are going to speak a bit about some of the trending technology stories in the last couple of minutes of the show so don't go anywhere And now we get into the app segment of the show. Um, yeah, we get into the app segment of the show with Jeffrey Rukusapong. And he's back. He's back. Yes, indeed, he's back. Jeffrey, you're welcome back. Did anyone miss me yet? Yeah, we, no, actually. But, you know, we just have to say yeah. it because we're nice. So, yeah, you're welcome yeah, back. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah what, what, what did you, what did you um, find out when you went on your break? Um, so, Dallas. So Dallas. Yes. What's what's that? Asset management and protection. Asset management and protection. Yes. Local app? Yep. Interesting. So let's listen to the man. My name is Mabruk Adab. 
I am the Managing Director of Sodalis Partners Limited, operators of Sodalis Asset Register. Sodalis Asset Register, also called Sodalis AR, is an online portal through which details of your assets are kept safe and secure in trust for your next of kin, who will only have access to this information upon your demise or mental incapacitation. So essentially, it's like an online notebook where you write down details of your assets and where they can be located. For example, your bank accounts, investments in treasury bills, mutual funds, stocks and bonds, parcels of undeveloped lands, houses, insurance accounts, pension accounts, vehicles, whether private or commercial, and various other assets. On the same platform, you enter details of three trusted people as your next of kin so that when you pass on to eternity, we at Sodalis will generate a report containing all your registered assets and hand it over to the three next of kin. The asset report is similar to a will, but it is not a will. The next of kin will have to surrender the asset report to the administrator of the deceased person's estates. So what Sodalis AR does is that it allows you to keep a detailed record of your assets so that even when you are not able to write a will or tell any family member about your assets, they will still get to know all that you left behind for them. So far, there is no such service available in Ghana. It is a completely new innovation. You can access our service on www.sodalisar.com That is www.soda l-i-s-a-r dot com just type it into your browser and voila you're good to go and so that's so dallas yes very interesting name very interesting concept mm -hmm. actually i think i found the concept very very intriguing yeah it's very interesting so uh, so if I'm not around, then they'll tell my people that he had some carbide that he didn't want you to know. But yeah, it's there. It's there. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, guys, like it's it's a very very interesting concept, and I really really wish you guys would yeah would would check it out, um, especially for those of you who have enough to mm. leave behind. For some of us, we are now building our yeah, lives. Yeah, we're now so building yeah. our lives. So yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out <laughs> when we get there. But anyway, so Dallas is the app for this week. Um, yeah. Um, it's available online, so make sure you go check it out. Um, if you have any questions, of course, you can um, ask OJ Sapong on Twitter. Thank you. And he will give you all the right answers that you need. But then now, let us get into the trending segment of the show. It's time for the training segment of the show, and Mr. Entry has some details for us. Mr. Entry, yeah. what you got for us? Yeah. So, let's look at something from Africa. Okay. Yeah. So, what, what will you call a phone made in Africa? A phone a, made in Africa. Afriphone. Afriphone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice name. Afriphone. Okay. Yeah. What? Cool. So, yesterday, Rwanda launched Africa's first phone manufactured in Ghana, right in Africa. Africa. Wow. They said there was one B. What was the name? Mentions on one B in some corner. It was made in Ghana. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, no. That, no, please don't. Oh, 
So this is manufactured. Actually, yeah, every man, single every component, every component of it manufactured right here in, in Africa. Yeah. And it's in Rwanda. There's a plant. Everything is done there from the board, wow. motherboard to every chip. Everything. Every chip is done there. That is and it's really amazing. It's called Mara. 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 Yeah. No, please change it's it. Not to Africa. It's not Mara. It's not like it's not like it's for <laughs> yeah. me. But like Mara. Yeah, so there are, nice there are two models. There's okay. the X and the Y. Okay. Wow. It goes for averagely 150 USD. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what are they? I'm guessing it runs on Android. Yeah, it's Android. Android. Yeah, it, it, they, are, they are doing a partnership with Android, Android One. Okay. Yeah, so. oh. oh, that's nice. Yeah. Mara. Yeah. That's, wow. that's a solid one. Yeah. Please bring it so we test it. Yeah, it would be, it would be know, nice it would be to actually so test it out. So this yeah. is the device, the very first mobile device manufactured every single component of it manufactured right here in africa that's a first that's a first then well it had to be kenya it's not no, like rwanda. We are rwanda i mean yes. it's not like we are going to do it but yeah yeah we will assemble we'll assemble we'll just go to rwanda borrow and assemble it's fine there's it's still fine. one record no nope. one has beaten which one first to get independence Anyway, <laughs> that, that for I, I I guess I don't know. There's no there's no story literally anywhere around the globe that will beat that. Really. Yeah, that's it's it's the biggest story of the week. It's it's such an incredible feat mm. to achieve, and we are indeed proud of our brothers and sisters over in Rwanda doing magic things and um, having the rest of us bow our head in shame. But yeah, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> But then for those of you who want to find out what is happening in the world of tech in terms of events, watch out because there is an event um, being organized by Agile in Africa or the event name is Agile in Africa Conference. Um, it's organized by Akiditi Limited and um, yeah, it's, it's really, really exciting. Now, the Agile in Africa Conference is Africa's leading three-day business and technology conference that brings together global speakers and participants to share ideas, of course, um, about how to you know build businesses and how to make your businesses better. It's, it's really, really exciting. It's happening on the 23rd, so please make sure you look out for that. It's happening on the 23rd. It's a paid event, and it starts at 8 a.m., so please watch out for that. There are a number of events happening in in november and there's actually one that happens in december but um yeah we'll be telling you about it when we get closer to that one but so the closest one that is happening is on the 23rd of october it's a paid event it starts at 8 a.m and it is called the agile in africa conference if you want more information just you know, check out or send an email to info at agileinafrica.com Come and that is all time will allow us on the show. It's been a pleasure coming your way. You can follow the man who brings you up to date with everything happening in the world of technology in the trending segment of the show. His name is Yawenchi and Oy Entry. Oy Entry, indeed. Oyanchi. You can follow him on Twitter. Ask him the questions that you want. We also have seen some of your questions about um, some of the issues that you're having with your tech we'll address it in next week's episode but remember next month is techpreneurs month and we are more than excited but until next week stay, stay techy. Techy.